Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Dan, coming to you for episode 192. If you want to listen to this episode, as well as all future episodes, including our big hoopla 200th episode, which hopefully, I don't know when it will drop, but hopefully it's after a win, you can do so on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star rating and review. We're here to talk the last of the three straight Friday fixtures here on our midweek episode. So let me bring in here Sam LaFresti. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. The last of the uh, last of the full weekends. Yes. Yes. Although, given the way that I have to, the last two weeks, I've had to come home and rewatch the game because I've had to pick up Julian at daycare. Yes. During the game. Father. Which is why you noticed that I gave you the <laughs> message that my game recap was done at around two in the morning, my time. Yeah. 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 We're running on fumes here is what Sam's trying yeah. to say. Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, yeah. The sacrifices we make uh, to bring you all the latest news uh, for, <laughs> from Juventus. Um, truly, truly sacrifices because, uh, I mean, we don't get paid very much uh, to do this. <laughs> I, uh, what are you talking but, I mean, about? we do, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll try and transition out of out of that by saying uh, Juventus, like I said, third game in a run of three straight Friday night games. This one on the road at the Marassi, where Juventus has not visited, at least in terms of playing Genoa in a couple of years, because Genoa last season was in Serie B. So now that Alberto Gilardino has gotten them back into Serie A, not exactly having the best of seasons so far, as newly promoted sides tend to do. Uh, it's well, I was thinking about this pod last night before we hit record here. The thing that popped in my head wasn't necessarily something you think about in terms of the way the schedule is this year, knowing that Juventus is not in Europe. And it is the fact that if there is a game where you're playing a struggling side like Genoa currently are, and they, they play after we record here against Monza, so we don't know don't know their, their most recent result. Is this a game where Max Allegri could, and let me emphasize could, and maybe I should emphasize probably won't, but could 
do some squad rotation. I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Dean Hoyson maybe get a full game in. I also, I, I'm very much interested in Fabio Miretti and what his status is right now because, you know, he, he came back from the international break with what they said was was back pain, but it clearly hasn't been enough to keep him out of the match day squad for the last two games. He's still been there, but he hasn't been been anywhere close to actually coming into play, which says a lot about something because he's we're desperately short of bodies in midfield. So, you know, if he's well enough, I'd love to see him play again. But yeah, I I, I do think that you can get in video game like levels of of games from your starters in this scenario. So I'd like to see it, but at the same time, if you can go full throttle at everybody every single game, at least until you start hitting the the Copa midweeks in January, I, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, I would say minor rotation. Indeed, Mirati is someone else I, I was thinking of too, actually. He, uh, you know, I know he had that injury kind of around the international break and just, I guess, been eased back into the team. But um, there are some players who have had, you know, a lot of minutes. Uh, McKenny is one of them that I'm thinking of. Well, McKenny and Rabio. Um, although I guess Rabio did sit one game out because of suspension. So, yeah, McKenny, <laughs> Weston McKenny, he has played a lot and just, well, two things. He's played a lot. And then he's also played two different positions, basically, with that, you know, filling in on right wing back and playing central midfield and even within games playing two different positions. And just the, the the type of player he is, he's really put in, you know, just a lot of lung busting games and just really, really worked hard. I mean, I can't emphasize enough how much his improvement has been just since, you know, the start of the season. So he's one player I, I, you know, think of that could probably use a rest. But yeah, I mean, other than that, yeah, you know, you could rotate a little bit. Um, obviously, having one game a week means the the pressure to rotate is less um, in general. But I think it would just be good for, you know, player motivation as well. Just, you know, playing certain players who haven't played all that much. But, you know, this is also just one of those uh, banana peel games, you know, playing away at Genoa. Um, I mean, they have basically this season, they've had, what, a few wins besides those two shocks against, uh, well, the two Rome, Roman uh, clubs, Lazio and Roma. Those two big, well, one big win in those 4-1 against Roma and then the 1-0 against Lazio. Besides those two shocks, I mean, they've barely won much, really. So, on paper, I mean, it would seem like the perfect game to rotate, but there's still just that danger playing away against a team that looks lesser, I mean, is lesser, but just looks like it, you know, doesn't really have much going on. It just would be, that would be that game. After a big win against Napoli, where, you know, concentration just drops and then we can see the stupid goal and then we're suddenly battling for our lives like uh well like against Monza, who are obviously better but still that that type of game was you know unpleasant also the marasi has not been a fun place to play over the last 10 or 15 years no something always tends to go wrong in that building yeah i mean whether it is Genoa or Doria, you know you can always you feel like and i mean this is me going off of just my always dwindling memory here but it, it always seems like something 
hinky happens, whether it is Genoa or Sampdoria. And in this case, obviously this season, you know, there's only, only Genoa. So I don't know. It's it. I kind of went back and forth and I figured I'd throw it out to you guys, but I, I guess along those lines, you know, you, you, we've been talking the last few weeks about how Juventus has gone from like big game to provincial side, back to big game. And obviously coming out of the, the November international break, it's most definitely been that way where you go enter and then Monza and then, and then Napoli and now, and now Genoa, but you look at Juventus schedule coming up, it's away at Genoa, away at Frosinone, home to Roma, away to Salernitana, home to Sassuolo. Don't mention Sassuolo because that brings up bad memories away to Lecce and then home to Empoli. So in terms of the level of opposition, there is very much a reprieve. And I feel like, especially looking at that, that fixture against Roma a few days after Christmas, you know, that's, that's obviously the biggest one of the bunch, no matter what you think of Matthias Soule. So I guess just this this stretch coming up, you know, starting with Genoa and then kind of going into into January. I mean, I feel like this is a game that could really kind of continue to, at the very least, solidify the top four spot. Because you look at it, there's just an absolute mess behind Juventus in the table, whether it's AC Milan dropping points, whether it's, I look after the game against Napoli. Hey, guess who's in fourth place? It's Roma. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's kind of all over the place where it's just like, you know, some of these teams behind them are just kind of very much not kind of rolling along and picking up result after result like Juventus is. And as we speak also, Atalanta has just pulled ahead of AC Milan. Oh, (laughs) Oh, there you go. Speaking of dropping points. (laughs) Yeah. On, on a, on Adamola Lookman's second goal of the game, assisted by Charles de Catalan. I was about to say, I really hope he was involved in this. Wow. <laughs> I really hope. Yeah, it's it's you know, like you said, it's it's going to be a you know, there's going to be a bit of a let off. You know, this is the kind of thing that you want to. The reason you really want to win this game is to just start gaining momentum to just try to steamroll through that stretch that you that you talked about, Danny. In there is your also your your first Coppa Italia game is in there too. We're playing Salernitana twice in three days in different stadiums. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Copa. at the beginning of January. Gotta love the the way that the Coppa does that to you sometimes. <laughs> Wasn't it with the Coppa Italia? It was like the Coppa semifinals. We ended up we played like three out of the, our out yeah. of four games against Fiorentina. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, but we're back in the day. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, th- this is the kind of thing that you want to just, like I said, you want to gain the momentum. You know, Genoa are not scoring a lot of goals. You know, they've only scored 15 in, in 14 as as we record today. They do have some guys that are dangerous, though. Matteo, well, I think Matteo Rotegui is still injured. Yeah, look, look, look at the guy who scored uh, their third amount of goals and it's not, say, a defender like Juventus currently has yeah but, uh, it, it's ruslan malinovsky yeah i was about to say uh, not only did he score a banger a few games ago he's 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 one from the not so distant past that anytime the ball's on that left foot of his you uh you feel a little nauseous yeah i i it, it's not great to see him with the ball <laughs> under any circumstances why didn't he stay in france <laughs> i know but you know apart from from him you know their top score you know the, like you said the only two guys ahead of him in the their, their scoring chart is Matteo Rotegui who 
I believe has he has three, but I also believe he's been injured long term. And then Albert Gunmanson, who's been, you know, one of their their top guys up top. Also, fun fact, their backup goal. Oh, there's another one here. They do have Conan DeVinter yes. playing. That's an interesting thing to look for. Uh, and also their goalkeeping situation has a little bit of a interesting wrinkle to it. Do you know who their number two keeper is? I do. Chucks, do you know? Uh, is it like a former, I don't know. Uh, is a former hotshot Juventus prospect. Uh, oh, man. Emil. Uh, nope. He's at Inter. He's Inter. Oh, back okay. up. oh traitor. Uh, in that case, no. It is Nicola Liali. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Remember him? The next Buffon? Gosh. <laughs> yes, there, yes. There are so many next Buffons. <laughs> Hey, he's on, oh, I just looked him up. Yeah, he's only uh, he's 30 years old now. Goodness gracious. With a beard. Yeah, it's only a month older than me. There you go. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm young. Hey, hey. Thanks for making me feel older than no. I already do. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> Damn boomers. Get off our lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, speaking of former players, there is also Radu Dragosin at uh, Genoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also there. And just a personal, I guess, favorite. Uh, once upon a time, the really the great, the mighty Kevin Strootman. Oh, um, I was waiting your for that. favorite. I, I knew it was going to be somebody Dutch. Yeah, you know, he really makes me think of um, Alberto Aquilani, who just really, you know, he was also just had this amazing time, and you know, just was really at a high in his career at Roma, and also for the Netherlands, playing really well. And I know he did have a pretty big injury. I forget what it was exactly, but he did have a pretty big injury, and then I just he just kind of petered out from there. Kind of surprised he's still in Italy, frankly. I'm surprised he didn't just go back to to uh, to Holland, to the Netherlands. Well, he's he's kind of like Melanowski in that didn't he go to France for a few years? And now he's back in Italy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So yeah, I mean, you know, that just goes back to our point of you know they do have some um, yeah interesting players who can just make life pretty annoying for us. So, you know, again, I would say, I mean, rotate one or two players, but like I said, the pressure to rotate is less just given, given that there's only one game a week. So let's, I mean, let's see what Max does. I, I, I mean, knowing Max, he probably w- wouldn't rotate too much anyway, but we'll see. All right. Well, before we get to a couple of uh, questions from the social media verse, shall we identify a few players? We are going to be keeping an eye on this Friday, another one last Friday. I think you got to, given everything that's been going on the last few weeks, I think that Dusan Vlaovic has to be in there because, you know, between the miss penalty uh, two weeks ago and the miss on the, on that great chance he had against Napoli, you know, the, the, the pressure's ramping up on him to score again. And, you know, much like the intergame and now, you know, starting with with Genoa, you've got a run of sides that you should be able to get through against a few times. I, I, I think that he's got to start scoring some goals. He's been doing the little things right. The, the, the things that don't show up in the stats. He's been doing those pretty well the last few weeks, but eventually in his position, especially at his price tag, you've got to score those goals. So I, I really want to see him try to push people on some of these lower, lower end guys. 
the player I'm uh, watching uh, for the game is actually uh, one I'd highlighted in our previous uh, episode, uh, which is uh, Andrea Cambiaso. You know, he's coming off, again, arguably best slash second best performance of the season uh, against Napoli. And, you know, again, he just he really had a fantastic game, very uh, attacking. He was very positive uh, attacking-wise and really provided a useful outlet on the wing, um, which is, you know, something I think I'd highlighted in not last month, but I think the month before in my monthly recap, or maybe it was last month. I forget which one it was, but just that the um, pressure on Chiesa to be like the attacking, the create creativity, kind of the attacking creativity for the side just because the the wing backs weren't really firing Chiesa you know, or I'm not Chiesa uh, Kostic is having a you know okay-ish season but definitely not to the standards of last year which I mean he set the bar pretty high there of course and you know Wea being injured for what is it now about a month or so um, so we kind of had some struggles just getting some creative kind of attacking outlet on the wings. So it was really crucial for Cambiaso to, to provide that against Napoli. Um, so I'll be watching him to see if he does that again, assuming he'll play, which I think, I think he'll play. Mine will be Federico Chiesa because guys, do you remember when Federico Chiesa's last goal for Juventus was? Yes. Empoli. Uh, end of September. Correct. That is correct. It happened uh, when things were actually going fairly decently against Sassuolo. So, uh, yeah, it's been now two full, over two full months since Federico Chiesa's last goal at the club level. So, uh, yeah, you meant, you mentioned Vlaovic, I'll mention Chiesa and hopefully one of those two guys, no offense to Federico Gatti. We love Federico Gatti on this podcast, but, uh, it'd be nice to see a striker score or two score a goal again. Cause you know, that's, that's one of their their main uh, their main deals. So, uh, speaking of what you mentioned, I mean, in real quick, Chuck's uh, first first question here. We got a couple of them before we end this episode. Uh, from at the Piombino, in my opinion, Kostic's inability or unwillingness to play inverted severely hinders Kaze's ability to play in space on the flank, which is where he is most dangerous. Wouldn't it, wouldn't Juve be better off with Samuel Elling Jr. or Cambiasso at left wing back, two players who can wander centrally and play off Kaze going wide. Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of, there are unfortunately a lot of signs pointing to Samuel Elling Jr. being sold to finance a midfield body coming in, which you know, as as much as much as that might be necessary for the money part, I don't want to see that because I really like Illing Jr. a lot. And like the questioner said, both of the, both he and Cambiaso play m- much better off of Chiesa on that side of the field. And also, I just I just think that Kostic as a whole has has kind of taken a, a a regressive step this year. You know, we beat him into the ground last year. You know, he is thirty one. You know, he he does ironically he does still have three assists this year, even though we're piling on him all the time. But I think two came in one game, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and I think at least one of those was a corner kick. I think both were. I want to say I want to say it was against Torino, was it? Maybe. Didn't we only score one goal against Torino? I forget. Yeah, I forget. But the the way Juve is playing these days is pretty safe to say. Didn't they just score one goal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. I I, I do think that that's a better 
that that's a better fit player to player. Cambiasso is obviously on the right side out of necessity right now with Tim Weah out and with not enough bodies in the midfield to allow Weston McKinney to kick out there. But I've, I've been wanting to see Cambiasso starting on that side for most of the year. Uh, you know, for, from 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 preseason, I've really wanted to see that. You know, in the opener against Udinese, one of the big highlights was the fact that he that Cambiaso was interchanging with with Chiesa very well on that side. So yeah, I, I do think that that could make us a lot more dangerous. And I think that because Kostic is such a one trick pony, that it makes that side a lot more predictable, and it does kind of hinder people who also would like to play on that side. Yeah, I I think there's a trade off here. Um, so to the original question of you know putting Elaine Jr. or Cambiaso there, of course possible. Sam, I mean Sam pointed out obviously Tim Way is injured, so Cambiaso has to just fill in at right at the right side for now. But yes, I mean I think the trade off here is okay. Kostic might not be as offensively offensively useful, just in, on the left side in the sense that you know kind of drifting inside or playing that, you know, those little passing combinations with Chiesa, um, his general offensive contribution is, well, crosses, as we know. But, you know, that more technical kind of passing style is not really his, which, you know, is, is fine. Each each person has his strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I think the trade-off here is that, okay, you're going to sacrifice a little bit of defensive solidity if you take Kostic out. And, yeah, in favor of more probably attacking drive with like an Ealing Jr. there. Uh, again, Cabiaso being on the right, so I'm just not gonna not counting him there for now. If you put Ealing Jr. there, then yeah, you have more attacking, you know, flair and probably more um attacking combinations with Chiesa. But I mean if if he's gonna be drifting inside a lot and then Chiesa's gonna be up front, you're leaving your left side a little more exposed um on on the break, which I mean I guess yeah, yeah. I mean yeah you would be leaving more because you would play more positive football with players like that. So we would probably have a little more possession and be more on the front foot. But we would, yeah, we'd be leaving more space on the counterattack on that left side there, assuming that, you know, Ealing Jr. and Kays are more just like pushing forward more and Ealing, Ealing dr- drifting inside. So you'll be out of position. So, yeah, I mean, it's a trade off and it's, I think it's possible if you're just willing to accept that risk, which uh, we know that Allegri probably won't be. So (laughs) there you go. All right. One last one from, from Instagram. You get still got the Instagram going from English.Juventino. Ciao and Merry Christmas to you all. Given the limitations we have with finances at the moment, who do you feel would be a good addition to the squad in the January transfer window. Many thanks for the excellent podcast. You're welcome. I mean, the biggest need is a central midfielder, of course, just given what happened to Fajoli and um, Pogba. So a central midfielder, I mean, somebody could find a fullback to maybe actually play with wing uh, in a back four with wingers. I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that Allegri would want to change up the system then, which, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. But assuming that the system stays the same, I'll say a central midfielder. Well, a central mi- midfielder, and more specifically, a regista slash a backup for Locatelli. Um, I think we saw kind of the yeah kind of sticky situation we got in there when Locatelli was injured, um, and Hans Nicolusi Caviglia uh, played there. And, you know, he. I mean, he th- I think he did overall pretty well given 
given the circumstances and given just a huge occasion and when he played against Inter. But yeah, having someone, yeah, having someone as a backup for him, unless we go all in on Nicolucci Caviglia, which we could do as well. And then, then I guess our central midfield yeah, would probably be all right. I mean, McKenny, Rabio, Nieti, yeah, I'd, it would probably be all right if, if considering that in terms of specific names, I, I don't know. I can't really think of, I can't think of anyone. I would have liked Fabian Ruiz, but he's hurt now and probably isn't going to be ready until February. So I think uh, that's yeah. not no longer a, a possibility. And just on absolutely insane wages for somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah, that too. Hey man, how else are you going to get them Gucci bags in Paris? I have a feeling uh, was uh, he's on almost ten million gross. So I have a feeling Gucci bags, as expensive as they are for somebody like me, aren't exactly expensive for somebody like him. Hey, cash rules everything around me. That's right, dollar dollar mm. bills, y'all. Damn right. I will stay on the Lazard Samardzic train because I am I am right. directing that banging wagon here on this podcast. So you wanted a name, Shucks. <laughs> There's a name. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like, yeah, indeed. I mean, someone like him and just realistic names who might be kind of available and might be somewhat affordable given those conditions. I just couldn't think of any, anyone, yeah. but I think those, you know, those two shots were good. Just it really is a case of we don't really know unless, as Sam mentioned a few minutes ago, unless they sell somebody, we don't really know what their really their financial capabilities are you know what are the limitations we we just we don't know i mean if it if it's like this the summertime prior to financial releases and capital increases and all that stuff then we should probably expect very little we also expected very little most januarys from juventus because that's that but this is also a cristiano juntoli operation now and this is his first January transfer window with, with Juve. So who knows if he'll actually have any cash to play with is basically what I'm trying to say. So uh, with that being said, thank you guys for the questions. We always appreciate them. Send them to at Juventus nation on Twitter machine, or as we just said on Instagram, whatever is easier for you guys, we aim to please you dear listener. So uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow the fans first sports network at fans first SN on Twitter, follow uh, fans first sports.com for all the other podcasts around the network. Follow oh, and on- if you, uh, if you follow us, we will not, unlike the great Elon Musk said, we will not tell you to go bleep yourself. So. <laughs> well, Don't worry, we promise. That's right. That's Chuck's promise to all of you, dear listener. <laughs> Uh, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts Uh, give us a nice 5 star rating and a review so for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days 